Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Boring Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny and Elliot. Today there's no Dana on the podcast. Um, Dana will be back on the podcast again next week. But Els, uh, we're going to start off with Wigan. Um, I know you went. You got very pissed up. Um, as from from my sources, um, a game which was either one point gained or two points dropped. You were there, of course. How do you think the game went for you? Um, yeah, I think definitely um, two points dropped um, from some of the chances we had. Um, we probably should have got the win. Um, it was a pretty drab game overall. Um, at the moment, when there wasn't chances, it was just you know kind of played in midfield. It was a bit scrappy, um, but you know definitely British on Belonga's chance. I don't know how he missed that. From from we were kind of at the the opposite end, so it looked bad. But even when I watched the replay, it looked worse. It was it's up there with uh, Flint's header against Burton when you just think oh, it's, it's, it's it's you know it's harder to, to miss isn't it um, and then Fletcher getting around the keeper um, in the second half you know that was a bit of a tight angle but you know still he should have been doing better I feel so yeah um, I think especially if I guess not maybe for, for the playoffs because I think we will get them anyway um, but you know in terms of maybe trying to catch the you know the top two um, it's a big blow really no, fair enough. Um, but yeah, from like my perspective, I've only really seen like most of the game back, and from what I've seen, it was like it was actually quite a decent performance, if you ask me. Like I thought we played quite, I thought we played all right. I mean, it wasn't like the best performance in the world. And I think the Samba Longa miss kind of summed everything up, really, didn't it? Like mm. after I've, I've watched it so many times, and I just think like, how on earth have you missed from there? It's just it's painful. To, it's actually painful to watch. Um, even with the, I feel that um, that Fletcher was a little bit. Unfortunate, but realistically, that you should be trying to be, should be putting that in the back of the net, really. Especially when you take the keeper on, even take a touch. Yes, yeah, time to take a touch and yeah. still knock it in. But yeah, um, do you think the do you think it was one point gained or two points dropped? Um, yeah, I think I think probably 
two points dropped um, overall. Uh, you know, I, I think um, you know based on maybe some of the other um, results lately of, of the top six, I, you know, it's a point point closer. Um, but you know, you, you want to be winning your games um, as much as you can, and when you have good chances like that, you, you especially want to. And I feel like our waveform's been good, and I really fancy does going into the game. Um, when you see a few chances like that, you just think maybe it's now a day. Eh, it could have been, it could have been, should have been. Um, but I think when you come towards the end of the season, that point might actually make the difference um, in, in us finishing the top two or finishing the top six um, or avoiding relegation. Like you, don't, you, don't, you don't really know where the point's going to take us. But um, Saturday, it, it saw the return of Tavernier. Um, yeah, it was the return of Tavernier, wasn't it? Oh, no, he played against uh, QPR, didn't he? But in terms of, of Tav himself, he's been in the news, um, and Joseph Coombs, he's asked us, um, do you think Tav, sh- well, what the, what would be the asking price if Tav was to go to Bayer Leverkusen? Um, of course, he was linked earlier in the week, um, we brought it out on the Everything, uh, Everything MFC page. Um, do you think, what do you think the price should be, and do you think Tav should go? Um, I don't. I know that I don't think Tav should go. It's kind of me being selfish, thinking I'd rather want him at the club. Um, I think it's becoming quite a trend, isn't it, for uh, young English players to to go off to Germany? And um, it seems like a lot of them, when they go there, they get given the chances. Um, we all know about Sancho, but you know, there's been a lot more um, that I've went over in the past, like Reese Oxford. Um, I was thinking Reece Nelson, Reece yeah. Nelson, yeah, um, and a few others from some of the prem teams as well. Um, so, I mean, I'd personally like him to stay in and you know keep developing his career here. Hopefully, get a few more chances than he's been getting recently um, in the starting eleven. Um, but other, you know, in, in terms of asking price, it's, I think it's a difficult one really because if you think. Of Josh Meyer, for example, going to, mm. to Bordeaux, I think that was like three point two five million or something yeah, like that. Yeah, because he's out of contract towards the end of the season. Right. So okay. That's... So that plays a factor in it. Um, so depending on his, you know, if he has a decent length contract here and they want to pay out of it. Um, yeah, the, the fact is, I think with German teams as well, they don't they don't notoriously um, get ri- ripped off like English clubs. English clubs will pay over the odds for. The players and German clubs are a bit more smarter um, with the money they don't have um, as much money as well um, than in England so I think maybe I don't know maybe five million so something like that I don't know I don't know what your thoughts are on it but I think I think Tav if, if I was in Tav's position I would if I heard buying Lebkusen was coming yeah. for me I'd probably my head would be turned a little bit and I'd probably would go if, yeah. if that was up to me Um no disrespect to Boy, but Bayern are a much Bayern Leverkusen are a much bigger club than what we are. Um, it's a perfect place to develop your football. As obviously, Jaden Sancho's probably proved that. Um, he needs minutes, and if he's not going to get it under Tony Pulis, then why not? Well, do you know what I mean? Um, he has the talent. There's no doubt about that. I think when every time I've seen Tav play this season, he's done the, the basic things right. He's he's took his man on as well, and he's created chances and scored them when he's when he's been given it. But yeah. I think if, if for me, it, I would let I would let him go um, if he's not going to play, mm. um, and if he but if he wants to stay, then fine. Like, but at least utilize him to some respect. 
Yeah. Um, he has to, he has to develop as a footballer. Yes, he's still an absolute burn. But when you look at the likes of Dale Fry, when he's getting games consistently, yeah. arguably probably the best centre back we have at the club at the moment, and he's just continuing to improve, and he'll probably go to a big club in say one or two years. The way he's developing, but the same with with Tav though. He's such a young a young kid. But that, that's what I mean when it comes down to age. I think if um, there's a saying that always goes about, isn't it? If you have the ability, no matter what age you, you'll be put in. Um, and you know, we seen Frankie De Jong do it last night um, for Ajax. You know, I think Matthias De Ligt as well is also a 19, and he's I think he's captain, isn't he, in centre back? Mm-hmm. Um, and and Sancho as well. I think Sancho's only is 19 himself, isn't he? So yeah. I think it's uh, one of them. If you know, if, if I was him as well, I agree with you. I'd you know, and buy a Leverkusen came in for me if something was to materialise um, I'd definitely take them up on that offer because um, from what I'm thinking I know they have brought th- through quite a, a few young players um, and they're quite a you know the philosophy is that they don't go out and buy ready made players they mm-hmm. kind of make them and then they end up going on to they end up going on mm-hmm. the other clubs in Germany but I think they've done it with uh, Kai Havertz mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan Tarr uh another one that, that Leon Bailey springs to mind as yeah. well where they all you know were there from a pretty young age so you know it could could follow suit really but I think it's a great I think it's a great opportunity but obviously it's just paper talk so we don't really know what how much truth's in it yeah. but like speaking of like the Ajax game last night did you watch the Ajax game with no Richard? no I just I just seen a few clips of it but I need I'll, to need to watch it back really. essentially Ajax were absolutely brilliant and the way the pass moved and Tadic like for his play for Salomon he was absolutely incredible that you just selling people for hot dogs and chips and some onions and it, it just it was it was honestly such a good performance but when I look at the teams like Ajax and then I look at like the, the Dutch league yeah. do you think that's like a good blueprint for English clubs to potentially follow especially like Millsborough as well we, we produce a lot of players but would it be is it something that we should potentially look into yeah definitely because um, I think and I mean, some clubs I've done it in in respect, and and there has been some good academies. Our academy has been all right. We've you know we've produced some good talents over the years and, and sold them on um, for good prices. And, you know, like Stuart Downing, for example, ended up you know Liverpool and, and Everton. Uh, sorry, Aston Villa, um, and you know West Ham have done it in the past and Southampton. But I feel like now a lot of clubs went to the thing where you know where uh, we're all trying to buy that ready-made player. Um, to get us to where we want to be, to be to be making the money, um, you know. For example, I, I said a few you know weeks or months back on the pod that you know like buying Johnny Housens at twenty eight, whatever he was, twenty nine, mm. um, rather than trying to you know develop that into something. I think it's because you know football culture in England is about instant success. You can't just be like, okay, we're not spending any money on transfers this summer because we're putting everything in the scouting network in the academy um, where you might see the benefits of that three, four, five years down the line but immediately you know you might be succumbed to being languished in the championship for a couple of years being mid-table yeah. um, but you know the, the f- Ajax have had that going for years and it's worked for them um, they'll bring those players through they'll move on I mean Frankie de Jong's already moving on to, to Barcelona at the end of the season anyway you know, but they've done it for years they've have brought players through for years and they end up moving on to the, the bigger clubs in like Germany and Spain and England but you know, if they're going to keep producing talent like that then they're still going to have you know their levels of success that they can reach if you know winning the Dutch League the Dutch Cup um, 
and trying to get as far as kind of the Champions League, really. Yeah, well, they said uh, it was actually quite funny. I was reading that about them and about Ajax, and they were saying that the seven key first first teamers they all brought into a room um, last season. They said if your sign was to stay for one more season, um, we're going to do some incredible things, and then you can move on afterwards. So well, obviously they beat Real Madrid last night at the Bernabeu. So you know that might be a team that is starting to flourish. But when I look at Academies in general, and uh, I've seen Huddersfield, for example, they don't that close their academy down because it's not producing the players. Um, when I look at Middlesbrough players coming through, okay, we've had Ben Gibson, we've had Dale Fry come through, and um, Harry Chapman started to before he left the, the Blackburn, Tav coming through, Wing, he obviously thought he was at Shildon really, and then he came through. But the players are coming through a little bit, um, but we have to start giving them more of an opportunity, in my opinion. I just don't think we're doing it enough. Um, if, we, if, we're not, if we're not going to get games here then we have to get, get them out online I think Luke Armstrong's doing well at Arrington Stanley um, Steve Walker's at MK Dons um, he's starting to play a bit more um, but ideally I think I, would pref- I think if we don't go up this season um, I think we have, probably have to look at those type of players because um, we probably can't afford to keep going the way we're going uh, we're speaking of getting promoted um, let's, let's move on um, to can essentially get promoted and we're going to have a look at the promotion rivals as well um, let's start off first let's talk about the promotion rivals and I know we pulled an article up earlier today um, just in regards to run-ins of course Mills are a fifth at the moment and we're a point behind West Bromwich Albion with a game in hand is it three, about two points now um, but we're, uh, just just behind West Bromwich Albion we're a few points ahead of Bristol City that are in sixth and Derby are just level with them um, how do you think Borough are gonna do in the in the running, and how do you think the the well, who do you think's got the hardest running or the easiest running? Um, yeah, well, well, according to that article, I mean, you know, it's it's just based on kind of the algorithm of of um, opponents that you know every team's coming up against, and you know the average uh, points that they're expected from that. And uh, Borough were joint ninth yeah. in that with uh, Swansea. Um, some of our main promotion rivals are above us. Um, so Norwich are joint seventh um, with Bolton. Um, Leeds and Derby are joint fourth. Uh, West Brom third. Sheffield United second. And, then um, and Birmingham was, and first. Birmingham was yeah. first. Um, so like I think and QPR are six. So like Birmingham QPR have kind of got that better running out of that sort of like aspiring playoff lot. Um, but you know it's kind of. It's all well and good, kind of looking at that. Um, but as you know, when you get to the end of the season, sort of freak results can happen, um, and you know motivation becomes you know insane. It's more than ever to you know to try and to try and get in the playoffs. Um, so I think for me though, it, it comes down to the run that's a bit earlier. So for example, last season we seen Fulham go on that incredible run um, and end up you know finishing in the playoffs and winning it. Um, but that started like much earlier on, and I think apart from Bristol City, um, most of the teams that are in and around there have been up there anyway. Yeah, um, we so have, think, we haven't left the playoffs spots yeah, this season. That's what that, so that's why I, that's why I keep thinking um, that's where we're going to finish because I think that's about mm. our level, and I feel I feel like that with a lot of them, unless there's a point or two in it, pretty much. So I think out of those top three, two of them will go up. I don't think West Brom or, or us um, will bridge that gap because um, I, I think 
to kind of see someone bridge that gap they've got to have been having that run earlier than yeah. than now um, so that's why I think Bristol City probably will get the playoffs over Derby because I think they've been on that momentous run before Derby have so I think it's one of them. I don't know if you feel the same about it, where it's kind of you know being on that run early to kind of take the momentum with you. If you're having a hit and miss, bit of inconsistent uh, mm. run of late like Derby are, then yeah. I think I think no. I think I think there's a long way to go, um, and there's going to be a, a lot of twists and turns before the end of the season. Like you mentioned, you're going to see those freak results. When I look at the top six, um, I can see top four staying in and around there. Um, maybe potentially West Brom might drop a little bit more uh, especially if we win our game in hand I think it's against Preston I think um, our game in hand but um, when I look at it I think Birmingham have a fantastic chance to get finished sixth um, and the reason why obviously we looked at the algorithm they're the, probably the, the easiest running out of pretty much everyone mm-hmm. and I think the way I pre- he's a boo boy but Gary Monk I think he's done a fantastic job at at Birmingham and the football that play and I think they can potentially sneak in the likes of Derby and Bristol City it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how their mindsets um, how their mindsets change towards the end of the season like last year Bristol City they were in a terrible run uh, towards the end of the season and missed yeah. out completely Derby every single year they tend to bottle it um, Birmingham they haven't been in this position for a long long time now so it's kind of interesting to see how they're going to approach it and they're going to, just going to go for it Nottingham Forest as well Nottingham Forest and Hull um, I feel like you, you kind of have to mention them really because mm. I think when Martin O'Neill's came in you level on points yeah, yeah. Um, well even to be honest even Aston Villa and Preston have, have an opportunity to get into those points uh, there's only there's eight six seven points in it uh, to get from Russell City and that can change within three games really and I think there's <laughs> I can't really put up a uh, I think one who's going to probably finish in the sixth position, um, if I'm honest. And um, we're looking fourth and fifth. I can kind of see us battling for that uh, with West Brom or Sheffield United. Sheffield United, um, in the top two, it's it, it's so difficult. It, it, it's really difficult. I think in terms of promotion, though, I said at the start of the season, I, I said I don't, I don't, I think we'll be in and around the playoffs, but I don't think we'll go up. Um, I just don't think we have the squad that's good enough to to actually go but Borough kind of proved me wrong for the majority of the season and against the, the teams around us we get good results so it's kind of thinking well well we did that under Kranga but it's more or less of if we can still grind out results to the end of the season get in the playoffs which which is looking likely if I think we've won the next two games I think it kind of cements it a little bit more um, and then if we if we are in the playoffs then we've got a, we should have the confidence there to kick on and see if we can get potentially get promoted but I was interested actually as well we, we put up a quick poll before um, the podcast and 52% of people said Millers we're going to get in the playoffs but we're going to lose you losing the playoffs do you think that's the way yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I, th- I think that's more f- kind of fear from, from last year isn't it and thinking you know our squad hasn't really on paper uh, improved from last year um, so uh, that's well, kind of, it's yeah. interesting because 42% uh, said that we're going to be going up through the playoffs, um, so there's there is a little bit of optimism from yeah. the Borough fans now, which yeah. is, I find quite interesting. Um, I've seen that video by the way of the lad who's it's being trending at the moment where one it's a Borough he's just he's just pointing at camera and just saying, yeah. "You let fucking get out my club, you." Yeah. <laughs> it's <fucking> typical Borough. <laughs> um, but I think that we have a very very good opportunity to get promoted this year. 
and if we don't get promoted, I don't think it's the end of the world either. Um, when I look at the teams around us, I think when we look at like some Norwich and Leeds and Sheffield United, I think they've just been better teams than us this year. Um, I don't think we could have any complaints if we weren't going to go up. But in an ideal world, I would love it if we went to Wembley, played Leeds and beat Leeds at Wembley. That would be my ideal. I'd love it if we beat them. Love it. We have to go to Millsborough and get something. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'd love it if we beat them. Um, but no, it, I was going to ask you the question, but I think it's definitely worth mentioning with the games that we have coming in. Do you think Millsborough can potentially make the top two? Um, <clears throat> I don't think it's a million miles away looking at the table here. Nine points. Um, but, and, and we have that game in hand. Uh, but I just can't see us putting together in a consistent run and, and those top three at least dropping in enough points. Um, I just think we're going to we're going to end up drawing some game like that like that we can game on the weekend um, and I think it's going to set us back a bit No, well let's let's go out of that running actually and uh, the next two games that Millsborough have um, of course like next when I think we play next Wednesday against Preston we'll start off at Preston first before we want to Brentfield on Saturday mm-hmm. um, obviously when we record our podcast next week it'll be probably be on Thursday rather than the Wednesday so I know we, we normally do it on Wednesdays but hey ho um, Preston North End um, last time we went out it was 2-2 um, they're unbeaten in 9 games they've, they've beat the likes of Norwich on that running um, it's a massive game for us isn't it really it's a, bit, it's a tough test at the Riverside yeah no definitely I think um, people look at it and kind of see it as a, as a banker um, because it's not you know one of the top 6 that we're playing but like you say um unbeaten in nine and, and those teams just outside the playoffs will all be clamouring to get in they know that there's a, you know limited availability in there um, so the likes of Hull and Nottingham Forest Preston Aston Villa um, they're going to be desperate to it's whether I think especially with like teams like Preston and, and Forest and Birmingham they haven't been in that situation um, in quite a while so whether they can kind of keep the bottle and, and do it really Um but yeah, I think it's going to be another tough game, yeah. Um, I, I, I like to speak about Preston and Alex Neal. Um, I'm surprised that Alex Neal hasn't hasn't been linked with like the Celtic job, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, I think he's done a f- fantastic job where, wherever he's been at. And I think they have a very, very good opportunity to come to the Riverside and actually take uh, do us over, really. Yeah, I think based on um, their squad on paper as well, like... They're doing exceptionally well because I don't know many of the players um, by name by looking at them and you know especially in the championship when you look at like Villa squad you think you know they should be doing a lot better for for what they've got but you know that just speaks volumes about you know perhaps his coaching and the way he's motivating the players and you know playing better than you know some better than some of its parts isn't it so. Hmm. Yeah, well, former boy Connor Ripley's in goal. He's he's making great strides. And but let's move on. Saturday, um, Brentford no a lot in form. Um, that's from the previous time we played them. Um, they've won six out of the last eleven. Um, since from switching formations. Um, but they've only won one game away all season. I know you've been researching the mill. So how do you think the game's going to go? And how do you think they're going to set up? Yeah, so like you mentioned with that formation switch, they switched to a three-four-three um, back at the end of December. I don't really, I mean, I think it it probably was a tactical switch in the sense that they needed to you know turn the fortunes Check, around. Yeah. But I, I do think it was also a part of, of Chris Meppham leaving um, mm-hmm. to Bournemouth. So I think they had to kind of refit that because I don't really think they got a 
a replacement in for him. Um, so they switched to a three four three from from a four one four one, and you know with that change, like you said, it came about that they've um, they've moved on to. Um, Sorry that they've had six wins out of the last eleven. Only lost two um, compared to before. You know, I think only won one in ten when when that manager first came in. Um, so you know, with that style, um, they're playing kind of a you know a classic wing back system. And I think you know, with those wing backs, they're going to be a lot more attacking than how we use them. Um, a three four three, I think, is is a lot more attacking than than how we kind of do it in like a three four. One two, um, the midfielders don't sit back as much as um, Mikel does. Um, so, and, and what scares me about this as well is um, not so, not so well. I could I could be wrong, but not so much on the right side in in Dalsgard, but Odebajo plays on the left. Yeah. Um, when I think he was at Hull before, um, and when watching him in some games, he is he's pretty quick. Um, so if, if 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 he gets in behind, that'll be quite dangerous. Um, they'll be expected to work very hard um, to overlap, sort of the, the, the wingers, or the you know the two sort of outside forwards. Um, as we, you know, I think Brentford as well. Me and you have both been quite big fans of them from some of the players, but the, you know, kind of the way they play, they do play a mm. kind of possession style of football. They play, you know, quick attacking football. Um, so it will be an interesting one to see how it plays out. Um, I'd expect them to keep. Kind of their same eleven from the last game. Um, the one three nil against QBR. Um, so you know, good win. You don't want to really change. You know, a winning team. Um, so in goal they've, they've got Daniel Bentley, um, centre backs. Uh, they moved the left back there actually as well. So it's a bit of a, a George friend there. Um, they have uh, I think his name's Barbier. Uh, they have Konza and Genvia, and then like I said, they have Dalsgard and Odebajo. Um, Makojo and Romain Sawyers in midfield. Uh, obviously, we were linked with Sawyers you. back in January. Um, and then the front three of Ben Rama, uh, Watkins, and Neil up here. And it is is worth me pointing out that with the, with that front three, they've scored thirty seven goals between them. Um, say, yeah, so <laughs> Neil Mopé has got twenty of them. So and, and and of late, Ben Rama's been banging in the goals. So. It's going to be very dangerous for them three up front on Saturday. It's funny that you don't mention Ollie Watkins as, as much there, and he was tipped to be a twenty million pound player in the summer. Yeah. Um, he just looks, he's just an incredible footballer. He did it, he, he tore us apart last time we were at the Riverside, um, and also Mopé as well. He just looks, looks, looks really, really good. Um, I like watching Brentford as a team, and um, they're probably one of the more exciting teams to watch in the Championship. Every game that I've seen them, the it's been an entertaining game. And when you play that three-four-three formation, which they've changed to it, allows you to be a lot more fluid in, in, in fluid in how you play football. Appreciate we don't play that type of style. But when you have quick players, um, it can be a really um, dangerous formation for the opposition. Um, it allows you to get up the field. It allows you to dictate the midfield. And also with the three up front, if you're playing with two centre backs in like a four-four-two formation, um, you've got like the three on two. Then you can overlap and play balls in uh, play balls in behind um, to try and obviously take on the keeper and score um, which Ashley Fletcher didn't do against Wigan uh, but it'd be interesting um, because we're going to probably match them in that formation in that 3-4-3 three, three, or the 5-3-2 or, the five, three, two, or how, however we're really playing it it's quite interesting because we think that Fletcher's playing up front but really he's kind of playing to the left of Samba Longa yeah, yeah. and we've got Lewis Swing on the right side of him mm. and it's, it's a bit it's the 
bit confusing for me. I'm just like, why? You, I don't know what you know. I spoke last week on the podcast where Lewis Wing was getting so many notes left, right, and centre. He just didn't know where he was. Mm. It's kind of that for me. It's like a little bit confusing where he doesn't really need to play there. Um, but I'm interested to see how they're caught with the, with the five at the back as well. Um, with the, those three players, they're a very, very quick team as well, and we're just a bunch of snails. So it's <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Yeah. No, I think um, I think what's going to have to happen is. Um, you know, our well, all of our centre midfielders. I know we play a lot of them. They're going to have to, you know, fit the, I know Savile and House are going to be out wide, but I think Mikel and, and Bessic are going to have to provide real cover when when uh, Brentford are on the attackers. Like you say, that they're, they're going to only get forward in, in numbers, and they're they're going to want to come away and they're on a good run. Um, I don't think that. I mean, I I didn't see them on that table. I don't think they're within reach. Um, of the playoffs now, I think a little bit way off that, but you know they want to keep good momentum going. They'll obviously want to win. Um, What's interesting so. is I think with the, with the formation that they're going to play as well in that three-four-three, I think they're going to play through us rather than they're going to play around the wings. Um, I know you can appreciate that the the, the wing backs is in a sense are uh, left and right midfielders. They're going to try and overlap the forwards, um, but when they get the ball themselves, I think they're going to play it through to Marpe, play off Marpe a little bit more. He's going to hold the ball up, probably get in front of Shot and Ayala, um, lay it off to either. Uh, Watkins or the wingers that they play to and they get the ball in the box I think that's how they're going to probably try and attack the game but it's going to be very interesting to see how we cope with that but also getting on getting on the counter attack and trying to be a bit more aggressive um, going forward I think the early stages I, mean, I appreciate that he's playing really nice football but when you play against teams like that sometimes one big tackle early doors can really dictate the game and force them to go along or force them to completely change the mindset of the game um, but let's go on at predictions else let's go on to uh, uh, lineups and score predictions. Yeah. Um. So I would actually stick with uh, the same team. Um. And that, that, from saying that, it just reminded me of a, a another a question actually that we got. I think it was again from uh, Joseph Coombs, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um. Asking should um Tav perhaps get a chance in over Fletcher. Um. And although we have said um in this podcast about you know giving. Uh, to have any more time um, I also don't want to sort of go against what we were saying last week and you know just drop Fletcher after one game of not getting a, a goal or an assist so mm-hmm. I think you know give him give him his, his due again give him his, a, a chance again um, up front with us on Belongro, you know just behind him wherever he's playing um, so I, you know I'd, I'd stick with the same team from Wigan um, and you know We've we've mentioned a lot about Brentford and how they play. We think it's going to be a difficult game, but you know that that stat keeps coming back to me. Um, what you mentioned about only winning one away game all it's season. So I think, though, it? yeah. So yeah, it is typical. Yeah, if it was to happen. Um, but I just think maybe there might be a, a different a different force altogether in the way. Maybe they don't have the, the confidence or the freedom to to play. You know, and, and get in the stride. Mm. Um, so with that, then. Um, I'm gonna go for a two-one home win. Um, I think they will get in the score sheet um, with the attacking talent they have, um, but I think we'll I think we'll be stronger than them overall. Yeah, I was gonna, I was thinking the same as you um, in terms of same eleven, but I, I was want, I would want us to change the system a little bit, um, and that's just from a, a five at the back to more of a a three-one-four-two formation um, and that would entail of Ayala, Fry and Shot being your full backs um, 
appreciate him putting Johnny Housen on the wing at the moment with uh, with George Savile and um, with Mikel Holding with Wingham Bezic and Britain Fletcher up to, up top. I think that would probably make it a bit harder for for Brentford to try and play through us. Um, but also what might the the negative of that is essentially they'll they can do a two v one on the wings and cause things quite difficult. But if we were to play that five in the back, um, I think yeah, like I would I'd much prefer Fletcher to be up front rather than like as a as a a wing player because I feel like we're playing a more of like a five two two one formation yeah, if that yeah. makes if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, but I think that's just because we haven't got the attacking attacking outlet that we have. Mm-hmm. Um. One player in mind before I before I cut my predictions is I think it's Johnny Housen and I think he's been absolutely brilliant the last few weeks. I think he's been very much underrated for the majority of the season. Tony Pulis um, came out on the week and said he's an absolute top professional. Do you th- have you been impressed with Johnny Housen or? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think that's what happens to kind of um, some players, though, especially sort of central midfielders, if they're not doing a John Obi McKell and making it look, you know, like the Zidane in. Yeah, uh, Arabian League or something. Do you know what I mean? It's um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't have those same qualities. But I think um, he puts in uh, a great shift. And I think I think with him, he, he never. I know it's kind of cliche. He, he never lets his head drop. And I think, and he, like you said about being a, a great professional, he's been shifted out to a right wing back position. I bet he never thought in his career he'd playing right wing back. Um, but he took it in his stride. He's played quite well. Um, he's kind of as well as sort of dropping back in he is getting up there and getting in a few crosses um, so his fitness levels are definitely showing and, and whether that's a result of Tony Pulis's training we heard them all at the beginning of the season getting basted yeah, in Austria I think they went to wasn't it so um, yeah no I've, I've been I've been very impressed with him yeah. it must be nice for Tony Pulis just to sit on that chair and watch all the players run up the hill I've seen on Monday where um, they did a bleep test and I think it was just the three got, got the worst or something I had to play in the in that game on the Tuesday against Carlisle right. and it turns out that Adam Clayton actually scored in that game um, so I'm, I'm waiting to see the video because I won't believe it until I see it <laughs> <laughs> um, but I might, have just, I might have just made that up in terms of like the three worst but the three uh, seniors actually played in that game and obviously Mitch Curry scored as well and I think Paddy McNair actually scored as well mm-hmm. Um but in terms of predictions, I'm gonna probably go with two one as well. Actually, funny enough, yeah. it was it was actually the the result that came in my head. And I normally go with my gut feeling. It tends to be right half the time, but yeah, I don't know. If people want to put a bet on it, then put a bet on it. Put a daft five on it, and I'm probably gonna say, you know, what? I would love it. I would love it if Ashley Fletcher scored on the weekend again. I think he deserved to score against Wigan. He's obviously scored against QPR. He should have scored more against QPR. Um, but it'd be nice for him to keep going and you know revitalize himself. I, I think I think with Fletcher as well. I think what's big with him is he he can't let his head drop. Um, I was watching um, the Sunderland uh, till I die uh, Netflix. Really good recently, documentary. Actually, that. Yeah. Really. I, good documentary. I, I enjoyed it when when I started thinking. It, I thought oh, this is going to be a laugh, um, but it, it actually turned out to be quite good. I was actually kind of. You know, semi rooting for Sunderland to be honest, I, I felt sorry for them massively. Um, but when Ashley Fletcher was there, um, in some of the clips, what he was in, I, I thought that, you know the coaching staff were great with him, and you could see that he was, you know, kind of beating himself up in his head a bit about you know some of the chances he was missing yeah. and the, you know backlash he was receiving from the fans at the time. So I think you know if the the coaching staff are doing that here as well, um, and he's got a, you know. 
he feels like he's got a good group of, of friends around him on on the pitch, then um, you just got to keep going, and, and you know, he'll score those chances. Yeah, he's very so, he's very very much a confidence player, Ashley yeah. Fletcher. But let's see, let's see if, he, if I think if he scores this weekend, he could just potentially go on a run, and you just never know in this league. Um, but that's it, Els. Let's wrap it up. A little bit shorter than usual. Um, but the flashbacks of Brentford. It's three nil. Kike's just scored. He's just took his top off. Um, Borough going to Wembley. Life is good um, until Norwich. Uh, but hopefully this result can catapult can can get oh, uh, us back to the big time, um, and hopefully we get promoted once again. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast. Like, share, subscribe to our channel. Give us five star rating on iTunes, um, and also just give us a comment. Let us let us know how you found the podcast. But thank you very much, and thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.